Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Is the problem? You know the question. Okay, listen to me. Let me hear what I'm saying. Okay. I've never seen anything like this. Could cause uh, everybody to freak out. This is a new way. And it's a new day. It is roughly in the microwave. Because consciousness is expanding. This is when you guys are supposed to cheer. Please clap. Are you serious? Well, who wouldn't want an opportunity to talk to Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty? Well, uh, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, who host the popular uh, radio talk show, ask the same question of their listeners, and here's their response. We bring excitement and energy. I give you America itself. This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. That Flemish is, master. That, that is not good. Wow. Live from Studio C. Oh, see there you are. A dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And today, Tuesday, it's got that Tuesday feel. We're under the. Mm, that's. Uh, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. This is a little distracting. I had the phrase in my head, and now it's gone. Oh, Joe's mind has been erased. I have only one question. Who's to blame? <laughs> me. That was me. I'm Positive Sean is to blame, everybody. Bla- shame. 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 That's right. It's more, shame. It's more adamant. Shame. 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 <laughs> Today's general manager, Jack, I'm sorry to say, is the sacred lust for freedom crushed by the sacred weight of tanks in Tiananmen Square 30 years ago. Was it today? Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I've read a whole bunch of articles and stuff about that in the last couple of weeks. As I'm on this China kick, but it's uh, it's something. I remember that week vividly, and I may have been as buoyant and excited as any week in my life, with the exception of births of children and 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 first knowing the sweet touch of a woman's flesh. <laughs> Uh, I I was just so incredibly excited that it looked like freedom was coming to China. And I was just following it second by second and thought, this is where communism and oppression falls apart. And if China goes, then it, it won't have a hope anywhere. And then the tanks rolled in. So, and remember how, how quickly this followed after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. So the feeling was, yeah, it could happen. In fact, it's probably going to happen. So one of the leaders in the Communist Party was on the side of the demonstrators, and the other guys overruled him and booted him out. And he went down and talked to him with tears in his eyes and said, "You better leave. Wow. They're coming." Wow. And uh, and he ended up. They didn't uh, put him in prison or whatever, but he was just sent to a home because he was a, one of your top-level communist leaders. 
you know, that just handful of people that run the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just sent and died in obscurity in a home. And when he died, they tried to, to keep it a secret. And, and, a, and, and thousands of people came from around the country to honor his death. But the government didn't talk about it at all. Right. Because sure. he was on the side of the protesters at yeah. the time. Um, but w- one of the leaders of the, the actual protests was in Tiananmen Square, had an op-ed piece in the Washington Post over the weekend, I think, or the New York Times, one of those two. It's pretty interesting. He got out. He he realized the jig was up and took off. Didn't realize that the government knew who he was and that he was, uh, while he was on the train home, there was an announcement of the dozen people the government was looking for and his name was on there. And he thought, oh, oh. and he spent much of the rest of his uh, 20s and 30s in prison mm. for uh, for being part of this. But his, a lot of his friends just got crushed by tanks. So that was the end of that. Now with the groovy facial recognition software that is uh, supplied in some uh, cases by American companies and or invested in by American universities and trust funds and that sort of thing, uh, they'll be able to snuff that sort of thing out way before the point they have to roll the tanks into the Tiananmen Square. I can't imagine how that sort of a protest could ever get going now. Because they, they would recognize people headed in a certain direction. They probably recognize that they're part of a certain sort of kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd stop it from ever even getting started, which is the advantage sure. of all this technology. And or identify about a thousand people, put their entire family in a concentration camp, and send word that it's a thousand more tomorrow. And uh, people will filter out at the square and go home. And China's Cheery. much more oppressive now than it was then. Right. Uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll start over there with our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. Uh, my girlfriend and I watched a documentary on how bad sugar is for you. And, oh, um, boy. You, it, you, it, you, you read about that? You watch yeah. those shows and you think, what am I doing? Right. Yeah, I just was thinking about all the stuff that I've It eaten. is evil. Sugar is evil. And we should all talk about it in evil terms. It just, it's still, it still kind of has a, ooh, sugar. <laughs> well, sometimes you even call your sweetheart sugar, you know? <laughs> don't look at that donut's got sugar on it. Yeah, yeah you don't call your sweetheart uh, fat or, 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 um, what's you the? You better not. Carcinogen. <laughs> Carcinogen, yeah. that's a perfectly good one. Yeah, sure. That's a perfectly good one. Or Roundup or something else that we think is bad for us. Oh, easy now. Anyway, the documentary I saw, they said, you know, cigarettes were really bad for you, and it took like 30, 40 years for the tobacco industry to be, you know, pretty much put down, so to speak. I mean, not as many people smoke today. But that's where we are with food now, is that we've got to do that, but there's there's too much money involved. And and it's really yummy. Yeah. Uh, If you were to identify... The least defensible sugary foods and drinks sold in America. I mean, the stuff that just, it's, you can't possibly justify eating. How does soda exist? Well, right. For instance, and, and there are probably a thousand other examples. I mean, not just stuff that's, well, it's, you know, it's a delicious bready, blah, blah, blah. But it's got sugar. I mean, the stuff that's just, just sugar, candy and the rest of it. Oh, candy. Yeah. Just, just no need for its existence. How many billions of dollars are we talking about? Oh, many, many, many. Oh, yeah. All marketed to kids. Uh, to a large extent, yeah. Yeah, a lot, they were showing in the documentary, like, they would hook up preschoolers with uh, chairs and play stuff that all has their logo on it, you know? Here's an interesting thing you'll notice when you have kids. Uh, they don't go to the grocery store and buy stuff with their own money. So it's really the parents who decide what they eat. That's true. And... uh for whatever reason, we give into that. I give into that. 
Yes, Positive Sean, how are you this morning? Doing quite well. Now, are you guys familiar with what the Lewis Chessmen are? You guys know about the Lewis Chessmen? Now, this is, of course, a group of distinctive... Sounds like a uh, a doo-wop group from, like, late 50s, early 60s. (laughs) Close. It's a group of distinctive 12th century chess pieces uh, uh, that were made, carved from mostly uh, walrus ivory... Uh, and w- actually, one- Lewis Chessman sounds like the white record executive that ripped off that doo-wop <laughs> <Yeah>. group. <laughs> anyway, so there they go, back to the 12th century. Uh, uh, yeah, so a, a single piece of these was found in a London uh, drawer. It's been sitting in a drawer for uh, since the 1960s, where it was purchased for five pounds. Well, it has now been realized this is one of these 12th century relics, quote-unquote, an important symbol of European civilization. Uh, it is uh, sold for one million pounds, bought for five pounds in 1964, going to sell for north of a one million. So uh, one chess piece, is it a rook? Is it a pawn? Is it, a, I, I, is it a one of the horses? Wh- which one's the castle one? The castle? It's a rook? No, I don't think it's that one. I think it's the, the, the hoppy one that jumps over the, the piece. The hoppy one. Okay, it's the a, knight. Yeah, the that's knight. the one. Yeah, yeah. 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 What's the weird pointy-headed one? That's the bishop. Okay, okay. okay. Bishop, yeah. The bishops are the closest to the king and queen because it was the church that protected the power oh. of the kings and queens. And then you got your knights, which rode horses around that. And then at the very end, you just got the castle itself. That's how you. That's how I memorized the order of the chess pieces. Really? And um, then there are the pawns. Yes, and then the pawns. Which we all me, folks. <laughs> Disposable. <laughs> There's Marshall Phillips who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I got to tell you, weather is warming up, and boy, the knights of the open road are really enjoying it. Riding bikes without lights, dressed all in black, and now some of them are riding in the highway lanes. In the middle of the night, coming into work, had to flash my brights on some of them to get them out of the road. As I'm driving by, they're yelling at me and flipping me off. Yeah, so, uh, night I, know, after I, know, I know. And as a society, we just put up with it. We we broadcast from a town that's got a, a really bad homeless problem. And I noticed the other day when I was coming in, there was yeah. there was some guys with garbage bags on probably stolen bikes, um, uh, weaving in and out of traffic, going against traffic, and everybody was just like slowing down and going around, and everything like that. And I doubt anybody dialed nine one one because what would be the point? They're not going to do anything about it. We all just get out of the way and adjust our traffic, and they get to ride wherever they want and flip us off and yell at us and yeah. break into our cars while we're and while we're up in our uh, workplace, and nobody cares. It's just the way life is. What are you going to do? You know, and I'm freaking getting, amazing. I'm getting really worried because now, I mean, they used to be on the sidewalk. That's okay and everything, but now they're literally in the middle of the road. You know, well, well, you've that, seen it before. You got your yeah. gangs of Utes or whatever that decide we're in charge here, and they'll just saunter across the street. Yeah. And everybody stops. You know, because what else are you going to do? Hit them? Right. It's an assertion of power. And yeah. you're seeing that more and more lately. Yeah. Right. And like, uh, and you know, like a children will do or a dog will do or a horse will do. You just, you do a little more, a little more, a little more. Yeah. So if you get any resistance, hey, look, I ride down the, I ride down the, uh, the, the lane, the road in the opposite direction. Nobody ever calls the police. Nothing ever happens. Right. And so I'll just do whatever I want. Right. It's a uh, very maddening. Yeah. And getting worse on a day-by-day basis. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Tuesday, June 4th, the year 2019, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, then. Let's get started officially, according to FCC rules and regs. Here we go at Mark. What do you mean you ran from a cop? I mean, he turned his lights on me and got behind me, and as he was walking up to my door, I got a donut around him and left. It's a 911 call? Some uh, some gentleman thought it would be a good idea to a run from the cops. Never a good idea. B call up nine one one later and ask, hey, let them know that I ran from the cops and say, hey, I've driven by like six cops since then. How come you guys haven't pulled me over? 
not realizing that they had not yet grabbed his license plate. And the only way they were able to track him down is because this genius called them back. Wow. Fabulous. There you go. Uh, What are other headlines, Marshall Phillips? Trump in London, pomp policy and protests. China expanding its current Tiananmen Square crackdown. And we've got an update on Jeopardy! James' wild game show ride. So Trump is giving a press conference right now. You know, when you get foreign leaders together, they both stand up there and everybody only asks questions of the president of the United States. <laughs> um, and 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 reporters are going to bait him with personal stuff or or Mueller stuff, right. and he will take the bait and he will say something newsworthy. And I'm sure we'll have that. Old Jared's been making around lately, making the rounds, uh, giving interviews and saying controversial stuff allegedly. So how does mailbag look? Oh, it's fine. It's very nice. Have a great freedom loving quote of the day that applies directly to our discussion of Tiananmen Square. Fantastic. Yeah, they're working really hard in China to make sure nobody knows this is the anniversary, or certainly nobody celebrates it in any way. Or talks about yeah, it. Yeah, not allowed on the internet. Uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of country they got going there. More on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Trump is in uh, President Trump. President Trump is in London giving a press conference, standing next to Theresa May, who's like prime minister for one more day. Uh, but anyway, so he's uh, given a nice little statement about the history of the relationship between Great Britain and the United States. And then as soon as that's over, some reporter's going to say, "The mayor said you're stupid and ugly." And then he's going to respond to that, and then we're off to the races. Jared said the Palestinians aren't ready to rule. So there you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> If I was Theresa May, man, I'd be three glasses of wine in. I don't give a bleep to every question. What about the uh, negotiations over the trade deal? Somebody else's problem. (laughs) You can take a crumpet and shove it in your boot. (laughs) Wow. Mailbag. Something. Is that a saying? It's a saying. It is now. (laughs) Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from uh, Ronald Reagan. This is in honor of the Tiananmen Square uprising and massacre. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States when people were free. Amen, Ronald. Amen. If you Google Tiananmen Square... In China, you don't get any of the information of the of big uprising. It just you can't you can't learn about it. It's impossible. It's interesting. Right. right. I got this note from Frank just moments ago. I'm just thinking about this night 30 years ago when I pulled a student with a fractured skull out of Tiananmen Square and took him to the hospital. Three days later, the People's Liberation Army shot, shot up the district where many foreign companies have their offices. I still have the hollow point round that shattered my office window and lodged in the ceiling. The tanks rolled in in a decade of economic reform without losers, as economists refer to it, and serious discussion about political reform came to an end. A few years later, the Chinese government shifted to the investment-driven, export-led growth model that has distorted its own economy and put it at loggerheads with the U.S. and the rest of the world. Uh, the people of Beijing, who in 1949 welcomed the so-called People's Liberation Army without firing a shot, will never forget. Best regards, Frank. Thanks for the note, Frank. It's really interesting. Uh, moving along to different fare. Roger says, uh, guys, 
Uh, I like to listen to you whilst I drive to work. Well, that's a, that's a perfect time to do it, Roger. Thank yes, you. It is. I'm motivating to write in because this morning I heard you gasping in disbelief. I think that may overstate it, but uh, <laughs> we were surprised. Uh, at the number of deaths in Afghanistan and Mexico um, in the tens of thousands. I don't, I don't think I have that window still open, but yeah, it was um, something like 30, 39,000 in Afghanistan last year, battle deaths, and, and uh, it was about 30,000 in Mexico um, for the drug war. I found it strange that you should be flabbergasted at those numbers, but failed to mention and be just as astonished considering that 37,000 Americans died of gun deaths in 2018. Uh, given that Afghanistan is war zone and Mexicans have their drug war, but America has none of that, it should strike you all the more and be worthy of a mention. You know, you're right. You're right. It is pretty extraordinary. Chicago had its deadliest weekend yet. Yeah. Didn't get any news. Nope, not much. Not when Trump's, uh, you know, may have called the one of the queens nasty or something. That's that's much more important story. Oh yeah, it got, well that got many many times the attention. That balloon, the baby balloon that gets flown every time Trump does anything in Britain. That's it's a pretty got funny way more balloon. Attention. It is a very funny balloon. <laughs> Uh, Kurt says, I've been meaning to write you and tell you thanks for all you guys do. You're welcome, Kurt. My 16-year-old son and I listen to you uh, daily. Uh, blah, blah. And remember, and so the Tiananmen Square anniversary, I had a real conversation with him about liberty, oppression, and the Constitution. We all also listened to the entire audiobook of 1984 on a road trip recently. Don't give up on this generation yet. I can see the fire starting to grow in this kid. Keep up the good work. Uh, what you guys do daily matters to people like me and my family. I want to say thank you for all the years of information and entertainment, or as we call it, entormation. Uh, have a great day. Thank you, Kurt. You too. You know, uh, 1984 is is a big one. Uh, maybe your kids are a little young or short attention spans. They get the they get the uh, you know smartphone fever going. That was a big year. Wham's first album came out. Mm, I'm going to thank you to be quiet now. Uh, <laughs> Animal Farm. Animal Farm would be a, a great place to start with kids. It's short. It's easy to understand. It's a metaphor. It has talking pigs. What's not to like? <laughs> Marshall's News next. Armstrong and Getty. What we hope is interesting to you, stuff on the Tiananmen Square protest slash massacre that happened 30 years ago this week in China. Um, among China. other things on the way. It's so bizarre to me to think of a country where their history is just not what they think it is. Not available. Just no, no results found. Yeah, just reading in the New York Times, one of the guys that was there and got out, one of the leaders, he said he talks to young people today and they either have no idea what he's talking about or those that have heard about it don't care because the economy's good, mm. which is one of the things the leaders figured out. I'd imagine there's a fair measure of, I'm not talking to you about that oh, yeah, as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, news now with Marshall Phillips. Now, President Trump meeting with British Prime Minister Theresa May and business leaders from U- the U.S. and the U.K. for a morning business summit. The president said he's looking forward to forming a significant trade agreement with the U.K. as he prepares or it prepares to exit the European Union later this year. She's a lame duck. Is that the term they use in Britain? Or they call you like a lame otter or something. I don't know. Do they have ducks in Britain? Trump going out of his way. Wounded Quidditch. I don't know. (laughs) Trump going out of his way to congratulate. She's a limping grouse. (laughs) To congratulate the prime minister for their work together. 
But he did it silently with just, just like the gentle touch of his hands. Having done oh, a fantastic job on behalf of the people of the United States, and it's an honor to have worked with you. And I don't know exactly what your timing is, but stick around. Let's do this deal. There you go. <laughs> During their joint press conference, both Trump and May extolled the virtues of the U.S.-U.K. relationship. And then when it was opened up to questions from reporters, Trump was asked about London's mayor, Sadiq Khan, who's been oh, critical boy. of him. All right. Well, I think he's been a uh, not very good mayor, from what I understand. <laughs> he's done a poor job. Crime is up. A lot of problems. And I don't think he should be criticizing uh, a representative of the United States that can do so much good for the United Kingdom. Uh, we talked about it before. All right. He should be positive, not negative. Anymore he's a negative force. I can't listen to any more of this. I don't care. I don't understand why anybody cares. It's conflict, you idiot. It's conflict. They're saying bad things about each other. It's very exciting. So the media that hates Trump, how long are you going to play to his weaknesses, which this is a real weakness yeah. he has, if you bring up some guy said something bad about it, he's going to fire. But how long are you going to play that game and not talk about anything that matters at all in the world? How long are you going to do that? Well, I would say as long as people continue to tune in, but they're not. No, they're no, not. No. See, that's the thing. They're not tuning into the Russia stuff. They're not tuning into this crap. It's just crap. It's crap, Marshall. Quit bringing us crap. China ramping up security to stop any commemorations of the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square crackdown in Beijing. Two months of pro-democracy demonstrations ended violently on June 3rd and 4th in 1989 when tanks and troops swept into the huge square. They killed hundreds, if not thousands, of mostly young demonstrators and ended any widespread calls for reform in China. The, the fact that the details are sketchy at best of, over what happened 30 years ago today gives you some indication of the control that country has. Nobody can nail down whether it's hundreds or thousands or exactly how it happened. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the protesters had been successful for quite a while right. of keeping the military out. The military was trying to get into the square, and the the protesters and their and their uh, helpers, people who believed in their cause, had gotten out into the streets and kind of made a, a circle mm-hmm. there in Beijing. And so the the tanks couldn't get through without running people over or whatever. And when they would get close to the the young military people, they'd say, "Hey, do you know what we're doing?" The military people had no idea what was going on here. They were told by the government, "These are you know Westerners who are trying to overthrow our country, and we need to go in and get them." I'm mm-hmm. with you says yeah. the 22-year-old tank driver. And then so the protesters would try to stop them and say, do you know what's actually going on here? We're trying to get more freedom. And if they could talk to them, and they could often talk them out of it and get them to turn back or at least not run them over mm-hmm. or sometimes join their side. But most of the military that went in there, they thought they were shooting at, you know, it'd be like you convinced me. You got Muslim terrorists in there are going to blow the place up. Go get them. Okay. Right. Um, they believed that because there was no free flow of information, which is a pretty good plan if you're an authoritarian dictator. Don't, don't let your military know what they're actually shooting at. Right. And there is no official mention of the anniversary in Chinese media, and many reform activists have been detained. Currently, some have been forced to take vacations along with security escorts. Yeah, that's that. it's something that technology, we thought, you know, they had the whole Arab Spring thing, that Twitter and all this technology, boy, there's going to be a free flow of information, and you're not going to be able to... Now, China has turned that on its head with their ability to keep an eye on everybody and control the Internet and everything. So where they actually uh, control information maybe even before all this technology. And I would like to apologize. I had something bass backwards as I'm trying to remember the sequence of events in 1989. It was uh, the, the Soviet bloc was falling apart in liberalizing and and uh, and and. Uh, 
uh, Gorbachev had been meeting with Reagan prior to that, yeah. and it was pretty clear that a new era was dawning for year- Europe. But the Berlin Wall actually hadn't fallen prior to Tiananmen Square, as I said. There, okay. that was a couple months later, All a few right. months later. Jeopardy James run is over. The professional gambler lost in the final Jeopardy round in an episode that aired on Monday. Academic librarian Emma Bodicher broke uh, Holzhauer's 32-game win streak. What a game. Oh, my gosh. What a way to start the week. Congratulations. We're going to say goodbye to James, too. We'll be seeing him again. She beat him by 20000 bucks. He won over $2.4 million during his run. He did not, though, surpass record holder Ken Jennings, who won an astounding 2.5 mil over a 74-game winning streak in 2004. This gal, her Ph.D. thesis was on Jeopardy questions. So I'd really? say she was prepared. <laughs> wow. she, she was really yeah. impressive. Neither one of them missed an answer the entire game. Uh, and I think the difference maker was she was willing to risk high dollar amounts on the daily doubles and play the game of I need a lot of money to beat this guy because he's going to get a lot too. Mm. Warriors hosted the Rappers in Game 3 tomorrow in Oakland, and at this point, Golden State guard Clay Thompson's got a mild strain in his left hamstring, forced him out of Game 2. He is questionable for Game 3 against the Raptors. I tell you what, Marshall, if you're into this series, you know the loss for the series of uh, Javon Looney of the Warriors is a huge factor. They are their big men are dropping like flies. What did he have? Like a broken collarbone? Well, no, oh. he, a chest contusion. He went down so hard on his back it like contused his oh. internal organs, right side of his rib cage. Yeah, yeah. knocked yeah. him out really, indefinitely. Really running low on players. Yep. Yeah, is Rick Barry available? <laughs> he is still chucking him underhanded from the free throw. Strike. You met Rick Barry, Jack, didn't you? Yes, and he was mean to me. <laughs> That's kind of his brand, I think. Met, yeah. met him right here in the newsroom. On the ice in St. Louis. It is O'Reilly. It's 3-2. The Blues. <laughs> Love the hockey horn. <laughs> the Blues. Ryan O'Reilly's third goal puts St. Louis ahead for good, beating the Boston Bruins 4-2 last night. That ties the Stanley Cup final uh, up at two games wow. each. Oh, boy. Yep. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Rick Barry, a Hall of Fame basketball player who is sort of like the Steph Curry of my dad's generation. So Rick Barry's out in the newsroom for some reason. He's doing a radio show. And uh, I go out there and I say, my dad is going to be so impressed that I met Rick Barry. And he said, okay. And he went back to what he was doing. (laughs) I thought, all right. All right. Between you and your dad, son, get out of my face. That's just great. Yeah. (laughs) You know, on on one hand, I I like people who aren't so in love with being a celebrity. But, you know, come on, dude. I mean, here I am, a young person who still knows who you are, and my dad's very impressed with you. Have have some glimmer of recognition of something. Well, and listen, if he's just that kind of guy, he's that kind of guy. Well, he he clearly is. But it doesn't cost you anything, including effort, to say, oh, well, tell him I say hello. Right. Shake a hand, move on. If you'll excuse me, I'm sorry, I've got to. It doesn't, it's it's very easy to do. But he's, and the look on his face was like, why the F would you tell me that? <laughs> okay. It's the sort of thing people say to celebrities. It's kind of, yeah, it's a so recognition common. of your accomplishments, you douche. Um, well, and, and honestly, 
(laughs) Often, sometimes in sport, is he in sport? He's in sport. Uh, Often in sports, it's somebody who is so driven and lacking in perspective that gets great. Sure. Um, I mean, for him to not comprehend he's in the entertainment business. And fans are not that they're not obliged to be fans. They're they're entertainment customers. But again, being that unbalanced will in some cases help people become successful. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got a bunch of good stuff. Rap rap has its first billionaire. How he got there is kind of interesting, just from a um, um, economic standpoint. A hip, a hop, a hippity hop. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. A rip, rap, rippity roo. <laughs> as right. I used to say on Saturday Night Live. Is that the guy? <laughs> Yeah. Among other things, and more on Tiananmen Square, which it's interesting to look back on 30 years later on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. One KFBK. Yeah. Yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Narrow. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me That's Jay-Z, hip-hop's first billionaire. More on that in a couple of minutes before we uh, cover a couple of things. we got to catch you up here on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Britons in uh, England and answering some questions of actual import. Not just who said something mean about somebody else, but talking about the... The trade stuff and the tariff stuff, and I don't. I'm 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 way out of my league on this. Mm. I'm not an e- e- economics uh, master of any kind whatsoever. But the 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 Mexico tariff war on top of the China tariff war just seems like a lot going on in terms of the markets getting crazy. Bad it's, things happen. Uh, sowing a bit of uh, uncertainty, no doubt. I think the term war is overused. It's a negotiation. It's a tactic. Hardball. Yeah, but um, you know, going going after China that way is getting out there on a le- on a limb. Let's see how it works out, and then tr- Mexico at the same time a two front tariff, whatever you want to call it, negotiation at the same time. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. Uh, well, yeah, I uh, I could bore people to death, but I'm not sure why he chose that particular uh, lever. To, to work with Mexico on reforming their immigration system. Either one we'll of them see alone, how it works out. I feel like, okay, I get that. Yeah. At the same time, just, I don't know. It's a go-to, clearly. Yeah. And the Wall Street Journal hit me with an alert last night. The, U- the U.S. economic expansion is now 10 years old. The nation's longest on record. Mm. Here's what could knock it off course, says the Wall Street Journal. I'm not really into those kind of predictions because maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and there's other stuff that could make it continue. But it is cyclical. It, there's some economics for you. <laughs> after ups, there's always downs. That's sure. just that's impossible to avoid. Avoid even if you had the greatest plan in the world. Right. Even if you're Alan Greenspan and think you've got it licked, as um, it turns out, after an up, there's going to be a down. And when the down starts, could be the number one with a distant second as to who gets to be president in 2020. Mm-hmm. Whether this continues or it goes the other direction, and everybody gets to blame Trump and. Two trade battles at once was clearly a bad idea, even right. though it was going to happen no matter whatever. Although what will truly be tragic if it happens is if in a downturn, the left manages to convince America that, well, it's a, what we need to do is uh, help the downtrodden and pass a bunch of anti-business policies 
that exacerbate the problem. You know who would That's hate that? It's not an unlikely uh, outcome either. Who would hate that, Jack? Businessman Jay-Z, who is uh, hip-hop's first billionaire. Ah. How did he become a billionaire? Well, first got to become famous as a rapper. That's what makes a lot of this other stuff go. But $300 million of his billion dollars is this, uh, what is this drink? Champagne? How do you say that? Ace of Spades Champagne. Yep. $300 million of his billion is his champagne, which I didn't even know existed. But. Wow. He's got about $200 million in cash and investments. Good for him. Is um, that one of those aspirational products where people buy it hoping to uh, you know, have his wealth and class and impressiveness on them? Is that kind of the appeal of that? I don't I, know. I haven't had it myself, but from I've heard good reviews of it from well, people sure who like it. I'm sure it's quite good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I yeah I don't know. I wonder what the retail is on it though. He's got a hundred. interested he's in got, that wine. He's got a hundred million dollars in his uh, cognac. Wow, I've never had cognac. Cognac. What's it taste like? Uh, like liquor. <laughs> uh, a bottle of uh, Ace of Spades set you back just a mere eight hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, says that's here, nice. this business nice. this business person <laughs> says Jay Z resonates with consumers who are attracted to the ultra premium lifestyle. Just clearly what's going on there. Uh, he's got $100 million in a Scandinavian streaming service. They stream Scandinavians? How does that work? <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah. $75 million in Rock Nation. That's ROC. That's close, right? Uh, yes. Uh, Rock Nation. Also, the possibly his, his record label as well, although okay. I, I'm not sure. I, I think he sold off his clothing His line. music catalog is actually only $75 million of... His billion dollars. Yeah, well. He's got a $70 million in an art collection. Yeah, well, why not if you got a billion dollars? It's somewhere around his sixth album, he started rapping a lot about Rembrandts that he owned and, wow. and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Monet's and, yeah. Interesting. Basquiat's. It's not exactly street. The street is Park Avenue. He's got a number of homes. He's got a $26 million place in, uh, in uh, Northeast, East Hampton. He's got a $7 million place in, what is that, New York? And then he's got this $88 million place. Now, that's an expensive home. This is his $88 million home in Bel Air. That looks comfortable. It looks like a a business park. It looks like a high school. (laughs) Yeah, or a a school. Or a hospital. Some big giant industrial something or other. Ain't never been there. They tell me it's nice. That's, uh, That's something. How uh, there's got to be lots of portions of his homes that he has not like rooms he's never been in. There's got to be right? almost certainly unless it was just during the walkthrough. You like know? he's really got to go sometime and he's walking down the hall, knocks on a door, and says, "Hey, it's a bathroom here. Awesome." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's something. It is. Uh, this one scratches me where I itch. I was battling with a password thing the other day. I was just. I have to, I like have to meditate to calm myself down. Oh boy. Because it makes me so crazy. This has been true and been known by a lot of people for quite a few years now, but once again, it's out there. Microsoft says mandatory password changing is ancient and obsolete. Company speaks out against this age old practice. That's funny because the only enforced one of those we have is on Microsoft Outlook for work. Well, that's what they're, that's what they're saying. It's ancient and obsolete. There's no reason to do it. Well, if they know, well, and remember the Wall Street—it was I think it was Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago had the guy who invented passwords and talked about how most of the things we've come up with just are pointless, and the and and he said all of these ninety-day changes and stuff like that are just there's just no point. In them. They're not doing anything. 
Just have a good password, period. All you're doing is slowing down your customers and or employees' productivity. Right. Right. But keep doing it, I guess. Meanwhile, hackers keep hacking. <laughs> hacking. <laughs> the hackers and hacking. just keep hacking. Oh. We've got a an, an interesting report to play for you at some point. Elizabeth Palmer from CBS News, who's one of the best foreign correspondents in the world. A serious woman, She no is doubt. really, really good. Well, she yeah. posed as a tourist in Tiananmen Square on this, the 30th anniversary of the protests and the slaughter, and uh, started asking young people about Tiananmen Square and the protests and what they know about it, and it's pretty darned interesting. And she ends up in jail. So uh, we'll play that for you later. Mm. I'm just in awe of journalists sometimes. They're, the good ones do such good work. Yeah, it, that'd be exciting. That'd be damned exciting. You'd feel like you're doing something with your day. Yes. Yes, you would. I don't want to end up in a Chinese prison. I, I don't know what's going on in there, but I doubt I'm going to like it. Yeah, the, uh, the giveaway, the punchline, she's there for six hours, I think. But that whole six hours, you'd be wondering, am I going to be here for today? A week? Two months with wrangling between Trump and Xi? Right. Uh, who, how long am I going to be here? Are they going to do anything to me? Are they going to feed me? Are they going to hit me now and then? Right. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Rough stuff. Uh, also to come, uh, the West Coast bum explosion industrial. The It's the homeless industrial complex. And it, it's so named for good reason. There's a hell of a lot of money washing around. And where it's going it is not good. So stay tuned for that if you can. There is a movement in the NBA, Jack, to move away from the title of owner of the teams because of uh, the slavery connotation. The team owners will not be called owners anymore. After Golden State Warriors star Draymond Green argued against using the term on LeBron James HBO show last year, the issue has gained steam. They should change it to CEO, chairman, or majority shareholder. The guy owns the franchise, but... Um, all right. Your employees making a pretty good salary with uh, plenty of rights to, uh, to uh, you know, on your side of the bargaining table. Right. You're zillionaires, um, and they own the franchise. They, they say they own the team. Nobody's what? saying they own the Ever. players. Right? <laughs> they own the players. Armstrong and Getty.